You're listening. No. You're listening to the Buns.com Podcast Network. (laughs) (laughs) Buns, buns, buns. Hey, everybody. Steven here. And before we get this episode going, I want to say a huge thank you to everybody who showed up at our Sang It Live podcast recording event last night at Coal Power's beautiful brick and beam downtown Toronto headquarters. We had a great time. We, we talked to a lot of you in the audience who also had a great time. I, I, I was almost overwhelmed by the amount of knowledge that was dropped by Miss Monica Patel from the Forest Stewardship Council and, and Kurt Ving Wallingham. I couldn't believe it. The man is competing against Elon Musk and dare I say winning with $2 billion in, in future projects already in the pipeline. Really looking forward to uh, sharing those episodes with you uh, over the next couple weeks. That being said, today's episode is with a, a man I met in year one of the project. He is an international wastewater specialist. You will never hear anybody who is more excited to talk about what happens below the, sh- the streets um, from flushable wipes to fat soils in Greece. Barry Orr's shtick, if you will, is that toilets are not garbage cans, and I think we can all agree that we take for granted our clean drinking water. You know, in, in our film, we, we dropped the fact that, you know, 800 million people don't have access to clean drinking water. And yet in the developed world, we can walk down the hall with the lights out at night, put our head under the tap, and, and there's clean drinking water. Um, I hope you enjoy this episode. I certainly do. Uh, it was recorded in my dining room in downtown Toronto, Ontario a couple months ago. Uh, Barry, thank you for delivering fresh water to all of us each and every day. And thank you to all of the wastewater specialists out there. I love the sound of water. I love the sound of the roaring Niagara Falls. I love the sound of a babbling brook in Algonquin Park. What concerns me is when I look at the falls and they're all foamy and I know that that's pollution. So uh, I'm excited because I have the opportunity to, to communicate not only to you, but to citizens. And yes, it's not uh, the most glamorous things, but I believe that there is a lot of glamour and education and awareness and making a difference. From Sustainable Joe's, this is 2084, a podcast about designing tomorrow, creating a sustainable future for all, told by the people building it today. There you are. How are you today, my friend? Uh, good, Stephen. It's good to talk to you. It's always good to talk to you. I remember the first time we talked. Um, you, my friend, are an internationally known wastewater expert. Can you tell everybody what exactly it is that you do? Basically, I'm a simple guy that uh, knows a lot about uh, human waste and how it travels and, and around and about. So what exactly do you do? So uh, I've worked uh, in the wastewater industry with the municipal government for many, many years. And my job has been always to, uh, to look after cleaning water, cleaning specifically wastewater um, before it enters our um, receiving waters, whether that's a river or whether it's a lake. Recently, uh, I was uh, allowed the opportunity to start working closer with our residents in an awareness and slash sort of like an environmental enforcement officer to uh, to protect water so 
been always involved in water and cleaning it, and now I'm heavily involved in actually protecting it. And when you say protecting it and cleaning it, what exactly does that look like on the ground? Well, on the, on the ground, you have to first understand a little bit about the system and understanding the pipes. And so first thing we would highlight is that there is a storm sewer. The storm sewer is associated with uh, rainwater on the roadway. And typically you would see square things on the side of the road, which are referred to as catch basins. Okay. And so also, also referred to as like a sewer drain for like regular people. As a sewer drain, but the important thing to know here is that that square thing on the side of the road is really only for rainwater and snowmelt, and it's there for the storm drainage system. It's not really receiving any treatment. So that's the first thing. Okay. Second thing, well, we've all flushed the toilet. We've all had a shower, hopefully, right? We've all brushed our teeth or done laundry. Uh, we've all worked in a business that utilizes some sort of drainage system. Well, that's going into the sanitary sewer system that connects to a wastewater treatment center and cleans the water before it enters the receiving water. And receiving water, just to be clear, is... Could, could be a river, could be a lake, could be, you know, could be a creek. Um, it's just an effluent discharge from a wastewater treatment plant. And what, what's water called that comes to our houses? Just to get like definitions defined here, like when water leaves a home, it's called, or, or a building uh, or any structure, it's called X. When it comes into that structure, it's called Y. Yeah, so typically uh, we refer to it as potable water, right? It's cleaned um, water that's entering uh, under pressure your taps, for instance. Okay. And then the wastewater side of it is as it enters the other pipes and, and goes. So there's one more system that we still have to talk about and that's the combined system. Okay. And a combined system is where you take the storm water and you take the sanitary and you put it together. Okay. And our older systems have a lot of combined sewers. Okay. And this is something that we need to talk about today is understanding it because many of our new developments are high rises mm -hmm. and they're on old sewer systems, okay. which means that um, they're potentially uncombined. And as we go through our conversation today, you're gonna understand why I'm so concerned about these combined sewers. All right, well, let's get right to it. Why are you so concerned about these combined sewers? Because what happens is combined sewers cannot always make it to the wastewater treatment plant. They're overwhelmed with water and typically it's rainwater. So you're mixing sanitary sewer and storm sewer together. We can't handle it in the system, so you have to have what's called a bypass or an overflow event. That means it enters the river system, enters your lake without treatment. And because there's so much garbage in our wastewater today, this is what's really concerning me. So when you say combined sewer overflow, that's the one could take from that, that, you know, uh, water that goes down my drain or a, a flush in the toilet. If it, if that happens on a really, really rainy day, that can go right into, like it can just overflow and, and not be treated and go right into lakes and rivers. That's correct. Now, how frequently is that happening? 
The unfortunate part is because our storms are more and more intense, it's happening far more frequently. Okay. So I want to take you back a little bit in time. Okay. I love stories. Let's Good go for story. it. So when uh, I take you back in time, I look at my career. And when I, when I started my career over 22 years ago, uh, we didn't see a lot of issues associated with garbage within the wastewater. So maybe we had a large rainstorm and we would have to bypass or overflow. But within that wastewater, it contained human waste and it contained toilet tissue. And toilet tissue is made of cellulose. All it is is hardwood and softwood put together, right? And when you say toilet tissue, we're just talking regular toilet paper. Regular toilet paper, okay. right? And so um, microorganisms can degrade that and then, you know, it being discharged out into, for instance, a, a creek microorganisms will degrade that stuff and it takes some time, but uh, we haven't had any real issues associated with that because over the period of time, microorganisms have adapted, our aquatic environment has adapted and, and maybe it's not great, but at the same time, it's only human waste and toilet tissue that was in there, we can handle it. Okay. Now, presently, we are loaded with garbage within the wastewater system and you think about things like baby wipes. Okay. Think about things like dental floss, okay. little plastic flossers, cotton swabs, makeup pads. The list goes on and on, Stephen, that are within our wastewater system. And because we're having more intense rainfall events, mm -hmm. right, we're having these overflows. And when these overflows are occurring, there's a lot of garbage in there. So the evidence is showing us at uh, the creek or at the lake that there's lots of garbage within wastewater. That's concerning. And so that's essentially just from people flushing these things down the toilet. That's right. So, so this is when you go out to a creek and you see that there's garbage from somebody's you know, flushing of uh, materials they shouldn't, yep. that's concerning because I know most people would have a garbage can in their washroom. Yep. So why are we choosing to put something into a toilet that we could have just put in a garbage can? Well, because it's out of sight, out of mind. I mean, that, that's why I think people choose it. Uh, here's a question. If it's not a combined sewer overflow uh, type scenario in that municipality, uh, what issues are those types of municipalities experiencing? All right, well, that, well that's a really good point. So. We have sealed are systems. They, are they yeah. even experiencing issues or, or yeah. do you have like grinders that can chow this stuff? No, up? I think that's a great point because many of our new uh, municipalities have sealed systems. They don't have combined sewer. And so um, we're seeing lots of garbage coming in and we buy equipment such as grinders, such as coarse screens, um, you know, special pumps, chopper pumps, all that kind of stuff. And just to be clear, when you say garbage, we're not really talking about like what most people would consider garbage per se. We're really talking about hygiene products that people are throwing away. Is that fair to say? I, I would say that's a, a, an accurate statement. It's hygiene, the number of things that we, you know, like, it's still dispose. It's it's still things that people are intending to dispose. It's just it, you know when we think of when I think of garbage, I think of a vast array of things, not just by floss. Yeah, but then you you know the topics you get into are condoms, uh, feminine hygiene products, gotcha. bandages, right? Oh. Hair. Okay. 
Okay. Right. So, so these there's a long, long list, and, and so I guess my term for garbage is you know anything that you would put into a toilet that is not human waste or toilet tissue. Gotcha. There. Fair enough. So what we're seeing at uh, at all these facilities and within the pumps is uh, blockages, is clogging, is damage to equipment. Um, it's very costly, mm -hmm. very costly. And there's also an element of uh, worker safety because there is no special equipment that can remove a blockage from a pump. You physically would put a hand up there and you would pull out the blockage. Now, that's concerning when you know there's a number of needles that are being disposed of down toilets. Number of sharps that get mixed in with this garbage. It's jammed into a pump. You're reaching up to pull out this pump that's uh, got a clog and you could be subjected to a, a puncture. Yeah. Fair. I, and not to mention, I just, I mean, from feminine hygiene products to, to prophylactic, they just, it's not necessarily a, uh, doesn't sound like a nice situation. Um, when, when we talk about these clogs in 2015, I, I looked up and they were talking about how in the city of London in the UK, they pulled out a, a 10 to 15 ton lump. They called it Fatberg. Apparently it had like congealed food fats um, and wipe clustered together. And it cost nearly 400,000 pounds to remove. Then it said cases have also been reported in Newcastle, Sydney, San Francisco, Miami, New York City, Toronto, Washington, D.C. You know, I think you were recently in Japan. I know the Japanese government had invited you over there. What, what have you seen um, on the ground? Well, internationally. Well, I guess under the ground. <laughs> <laughs> I guess internationally, uh, we're seeing issues that uh, people are not understanding how this system works and why it's so important to protect it. So if we talk about the costs currently in Canada, we're estimating $250 million is spent every year to deal with garbage material in the wastewater system. And just uh, garbage, material. just garbage material, not like upgrading sewers or anything. We're just talking about pure removal, pure removal. And so the law, the, the number, the, uh, the cost that is estimated in Canada that we're spending for capital costs is huge. Considering that to buy a, a grinder, for instance, might be one grinder, a hundred thousand dollars, putting in a core screen might be 800,000 to, you know, $5 million. These are very large projects and we have over 2,700 um, wastewater facilities across Canada. So it, it's just, you know, it's not sustainable to continue the way we are treating a toilet like a garbage can. Totally. I, I mean, it, it's crazy. Another number I got from New York City was that, and this came with the backing of Mayor de Blasio, that the New York Department of Environmental Protection is spending $10 million per year to process cloths. Like it's crazy. Now, the next question, is this primarily a definition-based issue? I, like, I mean, if we're talking about baby wipes, you know, even you know, personal hygiene wipes, which in 2015 was valued at $2.2 billion. It blew my mind that for personal hygiene, it was $2.2 billion. Meanwhile, like, the entire wipes market was... 3.2 or 13.2 billion. 
Um, is it is it just a definition issue that we're dealing with here? Because I mean, if it because it says flushable, so people flush it. Yeah, I think there's a lot of confusion out there with uh, consumers, and they've heard a lot of advertising about flushable products. Um, you go to the store and you see a lot of flushable products and people now associate everything as flushable. If it can fit down a toilet bowl, then it must be flushable yeah. and, and they don't realize where it's going. And so there is a lot of confusion associated with that actual term. There is not a definition. And that is something that uh, Wastewater internationally is working on, is to try and create a standard that would determine something that could be labeled flushable. But currently, there is only an industry guideline that the industry put together to determine what is flushable. Instead of like an ISO guideline? Instead of like an international standard organization guideline or a municipal gov guideline or a, a government regulation. For instance, in Canada, we have no government regulation on the term flushable. Gotcha. And so I know a recent survey that was done that uh, people were asked about the term flushable. Mm -hmm. And the question was that, um, do you think that that term came from government? And 80% of the people responded to say, yes. They thought that government had allowed that. Meanwhile, it's actually the manufacturers have, who have come up with this. So if municipality after municipality are experiencing issues, like what is, is it that we just need to define it by the government? Or is it that we need different policy like what successes have you seen or, or is just every municipality dealing with this issue and we're kind of scrambling to come up with a solution? The unfortunate part of, about this issue is, is that it's not capturing the attention of the masses. Okay. And so I guess the best way for me to try to get you to relate to this is that wastewater people do a very good job at looking after the system. For the community. Absolutely. I mean, I can walk down my hallway in the middle of the night, put my head under the tap or, or a glass and get and trust that I'm getting clean water. That's right. And it's that water is highly regulated and you rely on the municipality to bring it to you just that way. And people like right? you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so then at the same time, you're getting that drink of water. It has to go down the drain. One way so, or another. Right? It has to go down the drain, one way or the other. And, and so you're relying on, uh, on us to do a good job in the wastewater system, to look after the, the sewer pipes that are underground, that are hidden. And as you're relying on us, we're doing a really good job. And so you feel confident that everything must be fine. But then there's a cost associated with that. And rates are going up. That's the part where I say it isn't sustainable because I know, and one of the things that I, I often talk about is that source control or pollution prevention is the most cost efficient and sustainable method to protect our sewer system infrastructure and our water environment. Okay, so what, source control pollution prevention. So that would be like creating awareness that toilet isn't a garbage can. Okay. And if I can keep that product that would have gone in a toilet out 
then we've created source control. Okay. So where I'm going with this is, if this garbage material within the wastewater system is ending up on our beaches, is ending up on our river uh, shores, then it becomes more visual, then it becomes more of an outrage, and then we're going to have more conversations about what the heck is going on with our sewer system. So this is the part where we're doing a good job, but at the same time we're sort of doing ourselves a disservice because we can't get the attention of the federal government on this issue because municipally we're doing a good job looking after the system and you, the citizen, are not complaining. Hey everybody, a minute of ads coming your way because, well, I get green beer for green chats from Steam Whistle and Buns hosts this podcast. So first to Steam Whistle Brewing from their 100% renewably powered brewery to their green bottles, which can be reused up to three times more than a standard brown bottle. Quote unquote, Steam Whistle is proud to support Sustainable Joes as we work to create a sustainable tomorrow together. 2084 is also thankful for the support of Buns, your city network. Buns connects you with the people in your neighborhood to help you find the things you need to fuel your real life or swap things you already have to get items you need. You can also find jobs that pay the bills, homes for rent, advice, and just a place to talk about your city. Buns is available online at buns.com, that's buns with a Z, and on your phone via the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Lastly, this podcast is publicly funded. Thank you to all of those who support our monthly Patreon campaign. And if you have the capacity to contribute or would like your business to be highlighted right here on the Sustainable Joes 2084 podcast, send us a message at sustainablejoes.com. That's Joes with an S, because whether you are a Joseph or Joanne, together we are a group of Joes, and together we're going to change the world. Now back to the show. So back to solutions. Like, what's the best foot forward that every, every municipality could do? Like, if you could hit a light switch solution, what, what does that look like? Simply put, we just have to create some more awareness about our, our toilets are not garbage cans. And we have to do that in a, in a way that uh, resonates with consumers and with the citizens. And, and what, what do you think that is? Um, Without, so, you know, sewer, sewers backing up all over the city. Yeah, so I, I think that um, we're working on a, on a standard that uh, hopefully will be released that uh, if a manufacturer would, would be um, labeling a product flushable, it would have to meet the criteria that the wastewater folks across the globe have set. And then there would be an identifiable logo gotcha. that would say something about, you know, wastewater approved or a check mark or, or some sort of logo that could be uh, identified. You know, we know the symbol for poison. We've all seen it, right? We know the symbol for explosion, right? So we need a symbol. And so we're going to come up with this standard and um, we're going to change the way things are going to be labeled. How can people support the, this, this movement, so to speak, or this awareness campaign? Other than just being a, 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 a advocate for source control. Understanding that consumers make choices. We buy products as we see fit. Mm -hmm. And so there is no problem with somebody buying wipes. Whether they're 
labeled do not flush or whether they're labeled flushable, even though currently I would say all wipes are not flushable, right? Making a decision to put it into a garbage can instead of a toilet. Once you do that, then you remember that from then on. So that's where the labeling component is going to come into play. That's going to be very important. But then having our government there to support a regulation is going to be very important. And the only way that we're going to be able to do this is for citizens to say, hey, I think there is an issue here. This makes a lot of sense, what we're talking about with a standard and our government coming up to, um, to regulate it. Similar to microbeads, so, you know, the small little plastics that were uh, found within toothpaste and, and, you know, cleaning products and that, right? And, and how that very quickly got the attention of the government and, and there's regulation about that now. Well, we need the voice of our nation to really say something about this issue around sewers and then that will increase the knowledge of all of us on how valuable sewers are and what we can do to protect them and we want to keep the garbage out. You also not only deal a lot with flushable wipes, but fat soils and grease. Can you touch on that a little bit? Because if somebody washes you know, a pan in their sink and it's like, oh, well, the soap broke it down, it goes past my, through my drain, it must be able to flow forever, or at least until the, the municipal system. Yeah, fat soils and grease are, are something that's been a problem for, for years and years. And what we're recently finding is that there's actually good benefits to collecting it. And so... When um, you say good benefits, like... Well, for instance, uh, in London, we created a, a program called Your Turn, where we give out cups. They're degradable cups that we give to our residents. And the residents will put any of their fat soils and grease, whether it's bacon fat or fats from a chicken or even say it's expired uh, salad dressings, right? Put it in there, we harden it up in your fridge or freezer, and once it's full, we ask you to bring it to one of our Enviro depots. We collect them at the Enviro depots and then we take it to a facility that's an anaerobic digester. And basically what happens is microorganisms break down the fats and they produce more methane gas. When they produce the methane gas, the methane gas is burned off to run a generator that produces electricity for the grid. So we see this as uh, now taking a waste, right? You've got bacon fat that can you know, solidify within your drains and the city's sewer drains. Even if you use soap, that soap breaks down and hardens up further down the line. So hot water, same thing. Hot water cools down. So so let's take that bacon fat, put it into a container, get it to our facility, and then turn it into energy. Now we've created, a, we've taken a waste, and we've turned it into a resource. Beautiful. Uh, how successful has the program been? Has it been successful? How do you uh, define success? I think you define success by seeing improvements within the sewer system, and we're seeing those. You define success by just the community talking about it. And in London, people talk about this cup program and, and they talk about how can we get some of the cups? How can communities uh, like a church community, uh, like a neighborhood community, like a, a school community um, get the cups and then they want to make sure they get them out to other people. So if somebody, Barry, 
is in London, Ontario, and wants the cops, where should they turn? And two, if somebody from a, another municipality anywhere around the world is listening to this and they want to find out about the cop program, where should both go? Well, first, in London, all of our library locations have cups available. Okay. All four of our Enviro depots have cups available. Um, we have locations at our city hall where cups are available. So that would be the easy way to get them. If you uh, want to embrace something like this um, in your neighborhood, municipality, wherever, just give us a call at the City of London and, and we'll assist you. I can, Stephen, I can tell you that other municipalities have been doing the CUP program and they're seeing a benefit. When you say a benefit, what does a healthy sewer system look like? Well, the sewer system requires maintenance and it requires routine maintenance. So if um, you know, we have large trucks with high pressure water going around flushing, right? It's a very high pressure water. Um, I guess similar to like a water pick. Okay. And like it, a water pick as in one of those floss devices? Yeah, gotcha. similar to that, where it's, it's pushing the water into the sewer system and, and clearing the pipes of any debris or moving it along. So you have all these trucks going around and cleaning them. That's part of routine. If you take a routine that was, say, every three months and you turn it into only once a year, now you've allowed staff to do a larger area, for instance, and you don't have to buy more trucks, right? That costs a lot of money. Um, you don't have blockages. If we have blockages and we, uh, say, back up and a, a basement is flooded, not only is that very costly, but then that's a, a flaw within the city's maintenance system, right? So, so go, just going around the system costs money. And we want to be able to make sure we maintain it cost effectively. By taking a cup and putting grease into it, it's not in our system. That's success. It sounds so simple. All of this stuff is very simple, Steve, and that's why, that's why I love to talk with you about sustainability on the sewer side of things, because everything that we talk about is so simple on the sewer side. Toilets are only for human waste and toilet tissue. That's it. Sinks, well, what are they for? Right? You're washing some dirty dishes, you're having a, a shower, a drain goes down, it all connects. Fast oils and grease shouldn't be in that system. They'll always be a little bit. And we can deal with the little bit. That's why we have routine maintenance. It's the intentional thing that I just got a package of bacon. I just fried it up. Now where do I dispose of it? Ah, a little hot water down the drain. Mm. That's, what, that's what backs things up. That's what causes us problems. Why do you love water so much? Oh, I find this uh, absolutely fascinating. And I'm so lucky to work in the wastewater area. Have you ever listened to water? I mean, I've listened to rainfall. I don't know anybody who's ever said, I've never heard anybody say I'm lucky to work in wastewater as in dealing with people's poop and pee all day. Yeah, well, here, here's the thing, Stephen, for me is that uh, I love the sound of water. I love the sound of the roaring Niagara Falls. I love the sound of a babbling brook in Algonquin Park. What concerns me is when I look at the falls and they're all foamy and I know that that's pollution. What concerns me is when I'm in the backcountry and, and I do see uh, wipes that uh, I know will not degrade because of the plastic fibers in that. 
So uh, I'm excited because I have the opportunity to, to communicate not only to you, but to citizens about some of the things that I'm lucky enough to see every single day. And yes, it's not uh, the most glamorous things, but I believe that there is a lot of glamour and education and awareness and making a difference. Beautiful, my friend. Is there anything else that uh, you would like to communicate? The biggest thing, Stephen, that I can stress on this is seriously, toilets are not garbage cans. And I hope that your listeners can take that away. Beautiful. And no fat soils and grease down the sink. Definitely. <laughs> Barry, thank you so much, my friend. <laughs> and thank you for everything you do. I mean, I, I believe that. I know I take water for granted. And I imagine so many of us do as well. Um, so uh, on behalf of everybody who gets to drink clean water in, in, in Canada, thank you. Oh, thank you, Stephen. Cheers, my friend. Cheers. That was my conversation with Barry Orr, international wastewater specialist who works for the City of London, Ontario, Canada. You can find out more by reaching out to either the City of London or Barry directly on Twitter at YourTurnOr. That's Y-O-U-R-T-U-R-N-O-R-R. As always, if you know someone or some company that's creating a sustainable tomorrow today, let us know and maybe we will highlight them right here on the podcast. Thank you to Mr. Koji Nagata and the entire Buns Podcast Network. Thank you to Co-Power, to Steam Whistle, to Bullfrog Power, and thank you for listening. You can subscribe to 2084 on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And please do us a favor and leave us a review while you're there. Lastly, thank you to everyone who supports this project. We are publicly funded, and if you have the capacity, please consider a monthly contribution to our Patreon campaign. You can find the link at sustainablejoes.com. Music for this episode was provided by Wolf Saga. You can find them on Facebook by searching Wolf Saga. Thanks, Johnny. In closing, thank you again for listening. And if you're interested in getting active with Sustainable Joes in this podcast, let us know at sustainablejoes.com or on any other social media platform. Our handle is at sustainablejoes. Now, I'll leave you with a track from Wolf Saga. Bye for now.
Fun.